Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. Today I'm talking to Stephen and Seth, who are in the hot and humid New York, and I'm in the just hot, not too humid Southern California. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, not bad. I realized, you know, it's funny, I realized uh, last week it, I became aware of doing it that I often start with a comment on the weather, which I know, <laughs> like, in, I know is like sort of the small, star, uh, small talk strategy for making sure that uh, everyone is kind of uh, on the same level. It's a safe topic, okay. which seems completely nonsensical to do, given the nature of the podcast <laughs> that we have. So I'm not really sure why I reflexively do that. but uh, Maybe but because we're human and, you know... It's kind of the thing that people talk about. And it's, an on, it's an on-ramp. Yeah, it's a typical yeah. on-ramp. But I mean, I also want to say for the record, even though I've already said this, happy birthday. Today is Travis's birthday. Um, Thank you very yes. much. I forget how old you are, but I think you're, you're younger than me. So, Four or you know, five. Forty-five. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, younger than me, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am 52, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Stephen's way out in front of uh, not way out. That sounded real, that was a little mean. I don't oh, know. No. Stephen's Steven, ahead of us. Stephen's so. ahead of us, and he doesn't. He's not offended because what is he going to do? He's fifty-two. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I don't have the hang-up about getting older. I don't feel I'm okay with it. You know, I mean, at least so far. I mean, nothing has started to fall apart yet. I mean, mm. I definitely. Mm-hmm can't eat the way I used to be able to eat when I was younger. I had pretty much a cast iron stomach and I could just mm-hmm. like stuff anything into it and mm-hmm. it would be fine. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I have definitely lost that ability, but, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but there's, a, there's a lot of uh, positive things that come with getting older too, I think. So. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. don't know my, my, much of many of them. <laughs> well, you get tired of doing certain things and you could, and you feel good about going, ah, I'm going to bed early. Ah, I get up early. It's, yeah, there's some fun stuff about getting older, though. I, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, so today we are talking about it's it's a pretty sprawling topic, but I think we're going to do our best to zero it in on a on a couple of uh, specific uh, issues. One in particular, uh, Rachel Dolzal. Am I how do, do I, how many do it's you Rachel pronounce D- your last name? Dolzal. You said it. Right. Dolzal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, and so this is the white woman uh euro-american woman that posed for many many years as an african-american woman successfully uh and had a lead position uh with the was it uh in in uh, NAACP. NAACP mm-hmm. in seattle or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh which kind of makes sense that she'd be able to fool people in seattle <laughs> about, but, but, we, we, will, but, we will visit that <laughs> yes. but I, I feel like that couldn't have happened in new york but yeah. you know i could be wrong so um <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so we thought, uh, we would focus in on her to talk about, Seth had a very, uh, kind of open, honest question about this that started in a, in an impromptu conversation that, that Stephen brought up, uh, is Seth, I don't want to put the words in your mouth. Why don't you, uh, why don't you, uh, lead us in? Basically my question was why, why do people get so exercised about, Dolzel, um, why is she seem to be, why is she the focus of so much ire, so much anger in the black community? Mm -hmm. As if she had not only deceived people, but deceived them and somehow took advantage of them. And I don't understand it because I think if I read this correctly, and I don't think I necessarily am reading this correctly, the notion that they ha- that people who respond in that enraged 
manner to Dozo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. their concept of race seems to me to be non, uh, not, not equal to or not commensurate with the flexibility the same people tend to give the concept of gender. That is, that there is a degree to which gender conforms to the self's view of the self, right? We, mm. Gender is not an on-off binary, but it's a continuum, mm-hmm. right? If I, if, 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 I, if I understand it correctly, it's a continuum, and it's a continuum on which the individual places him or herself or themselves to uh, themselves, they place themselves on a continuum where that is, that, is, that is indicative of how they see themselves. Race, it seems, does not enjoy that kind of, um, mm. that kind of plasticity. Like it mm-hmm. seems, or elasticity maybe is a better is a better word. It seems that people, black and white, um, um, generous and non generous, want to lock ourselves into these binaries and say, mm. even though her politics might be what we would, some of us would call black or Afrocentric, even mm. though her politics placed her there. She was doing some. It seems that she was doing something so egregious yeah, by pale. right yeah. that mm. that that it indicates to me that there's some real problem with no, not problem with that race doesn't enjoy the same kind of elasticity. And Travis brought up as mm-hmm. um, somewhat convoluted analogy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very generous. That's a very generous characterization. But, but, but I, I liked it. Full, but, fully convoluted. But. No, but I liked it in that. But the essence of his argument was, look, race is a game. And we've been forced to play. And some of us have learned to play within the particular rules handed, that are received. Because mm-hmm. we have to. Especially black men. Mm-hmm. I, I, knowing this as a black man, I have to. I have to play by those rules because sometimes my life is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. That's but right. with Rachel Dolezal, it didn't seem that she had anybody's life. In, in fact, it seemed like she went out of her way to try to protect black people's lives. So I don't understand, honestly don't understand, why people got so exercised about her. Mm, mm. Steven? I'm sure I have a feeling you have some thoughts on this. I have a couple of feelings, but I want to revert to the email that you sent uh, responding to it, which I really, the, the, what I pulled out of that when you were um, making your analogy was we can't beat people at the game by playing that game. And I thought that mm-hmm. was really important to note. And, and so with, I want to run, I want to go to Rachel, the Rachel divide, mm-hmm. the documentary that came out. And what I, mm. what I think is interesting about the elasticity Thing that you're posing, Seth, is that the filmmakers are really generous with letting Rachel Dozel be Rachel Dozel mm-hmm. in this film. So, and I think their editing was light, but I, but I also felt I, mean, I felt that their editing was light, and that they gave a, they tried to cast a wide net of how Rachel thought about herself, her children, her siblings, her parents, what the community thought, what black people were thinking. 
and I and I felt like that Rachel has an illness. Mm. Like you can be, you can advocate for people of color causes for black people. And I felt like what I was getting constantly either from the film or from other things I've read was you could be that advocate, but why imitate? Hmm. And also her politics were linking her to sadness and to sorrow based on her relationship with her parents. Hmm. And so that wasn't clear to me until this documentary came out. Mm-hmm. That blackness means struggle, blackness means this. And so braiding your hair and putting bronzer on your skin and adopting a particular stance, that felt, for the people that I, um, it was mainly black people, and I wanted to ask what white people thought of her because I was only finding um, comments by black people who felt that she she crossed the line mm-hmm. in terms of blackness, in terms of what she, um, how she, how she was advocating for these things because mm-hmm. it does seem a bit strange if she's advocating for it, then why? I remember just, I mean, when I first heard about her, I was just like, you know, okay, what? So I just thought about her, everything. <laughs> Some nonsense. Yeah. Everything but the burden, you know? <laughs> you know, this title, this book that Greg Tate um, edited back in 2003, mm-hmm. where they looked at folks who either adopted a certain kind of black aesthetic or could be construed as a black aesthetic. Um, they mentioned Steely Dan. They mentioned the Wiggas. Um, this idea of taking a style and making it your identity, which in fact is something that could be um, argued with black people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's like you everything but the burden here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything but the burden. And I think that Rachel, to this very day, stands by her word and stands by what she did and what she does. Even though I think the illness is really clear in the film where, so for example, very briefly, she's, she takes her sons to a barbershop, her brother and her sons to a barbershop. She's been told and she's driving that you can't park in front of this barbershop, right? Mm-hmm. And so she was going to just do it anyway. So a guy, comes out and, a guy comes out and he says, you have to move, ma'am. You really have to move. And she takes it as, ah, see, this is how they've been treating me, da, da, da. And I go, this has nothing to do with you with your racial dynamic this is you can't park in front of the thing so i'm thinking that she's taking i thought that was a really important part and a really good sort of lens into what rachel thinks about herself Mm. do you know so yes that that is actually incredibly helpful steven Mm -hmm. uh I mean, she read, to the extent of what I understand of her story, she read as sick to me, for sure. Mm. Definitely. So I, but oftentimes in sickness, things about health can be revealed. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I do think that there is a, I mean, I have kind of a larger issue, which which you alluded to, Stephen, but I do think that there is a real... um, problem uh in the long run with blackness becoming just the signification for disenfranchisement and struggle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so and so it it seems to me like that is the part of blackness, what I'm calling blackness in, in kind of a, a shorthand. Mm-hmm. Um that that if if that's what it is signified as that is a f- that is a fully commodifiable 
signification. Yes. Mm-hmm. That can be commodified by music. It can be commodified by movies. It can be commodified by style. Yes. And and it seems to me, you know, so this, I'm on the outside looking in. Obviously, I'm, I uh, have no African-American heritage. Uh, and so, but on the outside looking in, it seems to me that within the culture, there has been a pretty consistent push and momentum behind blackness becoming fully signified by this kind of uh, uh, struggle. Yeah. I don't want to say victimhood, right? Because there's a kind of empowerment to it as well, right? I don't think, I don't think it's simply just victimhood. It's, but it's definitely defining oneself by lack. Oh, absolutely. And, and absolutely. And, I, and, and, and I oppression. Think, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that game can't be won. I think if that game is being played mm. on the level of whiteness or blackness, and, mm. and that's where the discourse is at, it is an unwinnable game. It's a Chinese finger trap. It can't, mm-hmm. as soon as you step into that dialogue, you have lost. Mm. And and now I don't, I, I unfortunately, I don't have a remedy for that. I have some thoughts and some ideas, and if we have time in the podcast, I'll kick a couple of them out to you. But um but I feel bound up by that, and I feel that America is bound up by that. In particular, America, race reads differently in, in other countries in Europe that I'm familiar with. Germany, I know Seth has a lot of experience in the UK. And not that they mm-hmm. don't have racial. They, clearly, there's all kinds of racism there, too. But, uh, but it just it, it reads differently. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's been as successfully commodified as it has in the United States, for example. So, so, so can I interrupt no, sorry, you? Jump, please. Yes, yes yeah. you absolutely can, please. Um, Travis, why do you think there's no winning that game? Good question. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful question. Because that, because that game always requires a villain. Hmm. And, and, and it always, it, it requires, I mean, I think, I think the simplest, simplest in, in, in the, in the best and worst ways that I mean that, right? So simplifying things can clarify, but it can also flatten. And, and I think, mm-hmm. um, I think Malcolm X's characterization around race, he was a very astute reader of the moment mm. in America, mm. but but it does it requires it requires a villain hmm. and that and and that villain you always lose if you are villainizing entire swaths of people hmm. that's a you can't win that hmm. I, you can't even if you win which of course you eventually will right eventually i mean history turns eventually because eventually history is, this, because history is cyclical right that's so, right so so you're eventually, saying yeah, eventually this country's not going to be white. It's right. not that. It's that's no. going to happen. Right. No. 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 Right. So you're so you're saying you can. I mean, I want to paraphrase you and quote by essentially quoting James Baldwin. You're saying at some point somebody's going to need a nigger, like somebody oh, yeah. has to be the nigger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And see, I want to yeah. add to that really quickly, Travis. Very quickly, and that's the reason why I don't think it will ever win. It it, it relates to what you're saying. There's a reductiveness. And that there's a smallness and there's a lack of imagination about the broadness of our experience, of everyone's experience. Thank you. If only black people do this and white people do this, it's it's lost. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. I mean, what it does is it takes us back to that moment in the 80s with um, 
you know, um, uh, 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 Jeff Dam comedy, uh, Jeff, what's it, Def Jam comedy. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> like, you know, when you ever see white people and they always talk like this and they do this and then they press the ele- elevator button like this and then black people, you know, they're like, hey, man, what's going on? What's up? What's cracking, dude? Like, it's so, I know we're laughing at it now, but we lived through that time where we thought the shit was funny. And but we, we're we thought it was. Time. We're still living through that time. Everyone's not going through the same moment. No, There's that's right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Just to say that, to point out that you're that Steve is absolutely right. I was what Netflix has these like 15 minute stand ups, right? And the uh, one of the ones was uh, a uh, African American lesbian who had like a line about you know like white people or whatever she's quite funny yeah. but she said i just have a simple solution to it white people are aliens like right. how how do you grow up on a planet where the sun kills you right. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you from the earth <laughs> if the sun literally poisons you so That's which is of course funny. hilarious That's it's very hilarious. funny right yeah, yeah. but so it's still operating that that sort of reduction is still operating i'm sorry but please well please, uh, jump w- in. when steven said how playing this game and what and i want to actually put some specificity here for listeners who may not have followed this because we're kind of moving really fast by this game we mean this game of saying that there is such a thing as race and that you can neatly divide the human species into these categories and that and that by doing so you actually are doing something useful in being able to predict behavior comportment Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. about um uh uh how we will respond to stimuli in the world, right? So race becomes this sign indicating in some deep way who a person is, right? So that's the game we're talking about. So you make me... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just thinking that commodification of a person, of a being, of a racial being, has established this country, you know? Yes, yes, And it feeds a lot of people, and it deprives a lot of people. But it also, like I said, I really have to go back to the imagination part. So when you mentioned that earlier in the emails, Travis, I went to Audre Lorde and I went to her speech, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Mm. And in this um, this speech, she says, those of us who stand outside the circle of the society's definition of acceptable women, those of us who have been forged in the crucibles of difference, those of us who are poor, who are lesbian, who are black, who are older, know that survival is not an academic skill. It is learning how to take our differences and make them strengths. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily to beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And this fact is only threatening to those women or men who still define the master's master's house as their only means of support. Mm. So this makes me think of that moment a few, I think it was last year, I want to say a few months ago, but I think it was late last year, when I think it was The Game, the rapper The Game, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. had this confab. He gathered together a bunch of black people who were either famous or okay. celebrities, well, I'm saying the same thing, or um, <laughs> well-known musicians, mm-hmm. stuff like those people of who 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 are adjacent to him in terms of um, sociopolitical status or social status. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, and I think what I read, I think I read this on like a BET site or something. I got these people together to talk about 
you know, race in this moment, what, 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 what we were going to do, have, you know, suffering through many of the privations that were enacted by the current administration. And I remember thinking when I heard what he said, like it, 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 the article excerpted some of the things he said. And I remember thinking, first of all, the game is not the person to do this. But some <laughs> of the things he said so played into that, that, that discourse of, oh, we're oppressed and, oh, we're going to rise above it. It's, it's, it is the essence mm -hmm. It is the essence of the, the, the new, the story that is told by the new African-American Museum of Culture and History, right? That, mm. that we make a way out of no way, right? That we are oppressed, mm. but we rise mm. through that. There is, a, there is a kind of continuum of a kind of victimization, yes, but a kind of heroism. And it is only, it is the only path to that heroism is, is through that kind of historical disfranchisement. And I want to say, as I felt when I went to that museum and as I felt when I read that article about the games um, uh, off-the-cuff um, meeting, mm -hmm. that there are so many other kinds of ways of being in the world and being black and being in the world. Like, it just, it just, feels, mm -hmm. it just feels like our imagination does get shuttered when we, when we play that game of... Oh, you're black because you've come through this. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm black for a lot of reasons, and I want to quote Audrey Lord here too, um, mm -hmm. in, from her poem "Coal." She says, "I am black because I come from the earth's inside. Now take my <laughs> word for jewel in the open light." Like, there's a kind of like she goes she goes into the mythic, right? Like you, mm -hmm. are, you, mm -hmm. and you. There are there is a tradition of of people who imagine blackness differently and oh, traditions and absolutely yeah. yeah and 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 i want and i want to i want to keep faith with those people because i think that they yeah they they can see beyond this game this discourse oh absolutely oh, shit. i feel like i need an audrey lord quotation so. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are a lot to have i cut you off though Stephen. what you're saying oh no i was just gonna say i agree i agree with both of you and i think that what what I find it want to pull it back to Rachel right quick and this idea of what she represents to a lot of people in their imagination and what it makes us think about. Did either of you see the documentary? I no. did not. Okay, so there's a part in the documentary where and I, I think it's about an hour, maybe ninety minutes long, and I think it it looks like it was possibly shot over a year or more because she's pregnant. And she gives birth to the baby towards the end of the film. Okay, so okay. towards the beginning of the film, she has a teenage son who is, you know, he's besieged by everyone picking on his mom. That's how he sees it. Yeah. By the yeah. end of the film, he starts to speak a different language. He's sort of like, why won't my mother leave people alone? Why won't she? Do you know? And if once you see it, the 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 import of it is is really powerful because he starts to think more for himself, and he's starting to wonder about his mother's decisions right. to call herself black because he grew up with that. He grew up with her being white before she was black. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's a really powerful thing, and it, it's kind of like what I want to what in my myth my um. What I'd love to do in the future, which I'm not sure where will happen, is to, to interview the Michael Jackson children. They know stuff more than what we know as a public and crave to know. 
And so about his own life and his choices. But Rachel Dozel, she's um, the impact of what she's doing is just not not hurting, but sort of impacting the black community in a small way. It's also the people she's around. It's her orbits and what it means to self-identify in a particular way. So I think it's a it's a much better documentary than I thought it would be because I don't I don't like documentaries that take sides. Just let the stories kind of play themselves out, you know, from and I know you have a directorial hand, but just allow us to think, mm-hmm. you know, about it. So mm-hmm. that's all I wanted to say. Do, is there a, do you either one of you think that it is at all useful um to make a concerted effort to Strike white and black from the lexicon in how we re- in how we refer to human beings, mm. um, and mm. and and I think that you could answer in either direction. I, I mean the question seriously, but I do again to go back to what I who I feel was a, a pretty again simple but penetrating reader of this dichotomy mm-hmm. is is. Um, uh, Malcolm X and the 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 whiteness and blackness mm-hmm. are binaries and and the language comes like the like software's already loaded in to that binary right mm-hmm. and 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 even when you start to flip that binary like you're just you know you're just a spinning binary right it's just flipping around like however you want to you want to subvert it you want to change this you want to do that of course that can be playful and fun mm-hmm. but as as a social strategy, right? As a, as a long-term strategy for social change, um, you know the, the earliest uh, attestation of people being referred to as white is Thomas Middleton's play, like in 1615 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, 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 and he called the the uh, the British people white. Right. Mm. Um, pri- prior to that, they thought of themselves as Europeans, and and you get this sort of, you know, this idea. Africa was not thought of in it, it had not been conjured fully in the uh, in the European imagination the way it would be by, you know, late seventeenth, eighteenth um, century. And so, I, I feel. Let me. So let me just lay my cards on the table. I feel like there is an actual problem in in continuing a white black handle for referring to human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I don't, uh, I'm unconvinced that that will ever be a way out, uh, of, uh, of racializing, which I feel like can die. I actually feel like it is possible. Mm-hmm. I think that there are things that you can't fully stretch out of shape. I think nation state, I think, you know, a lot of Marxist critiques about where, uh, social evolution can go. I, I think they're somewhat wrongheaded, but the idea of parsing people into races, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a vulnerable narrative. I feel like I feel like that can be undermined. So, anyway, what do you so, so no, I, I'm I'm super interested, and I need a follow up question here. What could we? How could we refer to each other then? So here's my pitch. I actually thought about this, and cool. it's very simple. Uh, it's uh, Euro-American, African-American, Indigenous American, and Asian American. So huh. we refer to people by their continents of origin, which do affect our biologies, right? It affects the shape of our eyes. It affects the shape of our nose. It affects the amount of melanin we have in our skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects how hairy we are, right? So I, I feel like I feel like a continental reference, given the uh, the the number of countries that exist in every continent mm-hmm. is a way to pull apart 
um, these racial types. Hmm. Um, so d- d- for me, like actually just referring to myself as a Euro-American, mm-hmm. I know that sounds simple, but it actually is helpful to me. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, th- clearly I'm, I'm, I'm an American. I ended up here, you know, under more advantageous circumstances than either one of you, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yet still here we are, right, in this, this fictional place that we've called America for, you know, for all these reasons, historical reasons. Um, but my origin is, you know, I come from the continent of Europe. And indigenous Americans, you know, came across the land bridge or probably boats now, they think, in some parts of the, the continents. Anyway, what do you guys think? Please go right ahead. Try, um, well, I was just about, I was about to say I, I kind of like it, actually. It just it seems like a kind of truth telling. And I was thinking that I was actually going to this sort of contrarian position, which is something I heard a lot of uh, during undergrad at, at Long Island University Brooklyn campus, which is. When people would ask me where I'm from, and I would say I'm Caribbean, I'm from Jamaica, um, which I always thought was was actually m- the the most accurate way for me to talk about okay. my influences because I grew up in a very Jamaican household. Mm-hmm. So, and both of y'all know this rap that my parents are very aspirational middle class Jamaicans, right? Very Christian, very middle of the road, very yeah. But people would argue me to the ground. They would say, no, 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 you have to identify as black. You have to identify as, with the struggle. You have to identify as, you know, when you start parsing, you know, Caribbean, Trinidadian, uh, uh, you're you, like, no, 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 we're black. And if you get pulled over by the cops, you're black. And, you know, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. the whole riot act. And I wanted to, I just wanted to say, well, for one thing, I wanted to say, God, like, who hurt you? And two, like, <laughs> could, like, is it possible for me to please just have a little bit of of self-regard that comes out of the particular nat- nature of my circumstances? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, that's, yes. what, that's what race does, though. That it demands a, a, um, a fidelity mm-hmm. that um, is really, the stakes are that high. Mm-hmm. So the conversations I've been having for a while, and I want to answer your question, um, Travis, I'll say a couple things, but I'm still marinating on what it means for me personally. I'll say first that when I use the word black, I use it in the diasporic sense. So it connects me to the diasporic experience. It connects me to Africa, the Caribbean, wherever black people have gone um, forcefully or voluntarily. So it connects me to a cultural sensibility. And that comes out of my reading of uh, Gwendolyn Brooks and the way that she used language. And she actually said that. So that's what Black means to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also thinking about how race reduces you. We've mentioned this before earlier in a conversation and in other conversations, it reduces you. And it really, like Toni Morrison said, the reason why she started out her book, uh, Paradise, by identifying, they shoot the white girl first. With the rest of them, they could take their time. You see, there was this many miles between this town and Ruby and dot, dot, dot. And she said she purposely did not identify anyone else racially because that was the least least interesting thing about them. And I've carried that for the longest, and I've tried to use it in my mind and use it in my how I approach people and approach not just what people do, but people people themselves. Right. But there's an adherence to race in a way that right now we're just noticing people are like... Just going kind of crazy with it and have always been crazy. I think that we just have the technology now to to market. 
um, mm-hmm. and recorded and, and really have the, the courage to do so. Right. So, um, but yeah, black mean, that's what black means to me. It connects me to a cultural experience. Right. Um, but it's, it, it, but it's, there's a lot of space in blackness. So it doesn't, it's not reductive to me in the same way that other people might use it. And it doesn't allow me to automatically go, Tra- Travis is a white man. I have nothing in common with him. It doesn't do that. It doesn't stop me from reading books, watching films, you know, or even connecting with people on personal levels. So that's where it is for me. Do you do you think that blackness not can but is often used not expansively in the way that you are describing it? Oh, of course. It, but is, is of right. course. I've used so, it that way when I was a kid because I was just so, learning about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would so, say most of the time. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that would be my my conjecture too. I, mm-hmm. So I f- I feel like as in and so that now we get into like the social responsibility thing. Like mm-hmm. I feel like as intellectuals, we I feel a personal. Let me just not say we. I feel a personal responsibility to means test my ideas for uh, the the most clumsy use of them. Mm-hmm. So so because because of course. People that uh, you know have the time to read Audre Lorde or the incl- inclination to read Audre Lorde don't need a lot of help from me to you know to have expansive understandings of of their history or the history of human beings. Mm-hmm. But the people that those ideas filter down to do absolutely need the Cliff Notes version of what's going on. Well, even and so, and I would say it goes up too. It not just goes down, but it goes up class-wise. These ideas. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, so I, I actually, to, I, this was not at all clear, and I appreciate you pushing for the clarification. I, I am, I'm referring to sophistication in thought and not class Perfect. sophistication. Thank you very much. So, yeah, actually, so, I, th- I thought that's what you were doing, Travis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. So I, I literally mean people like you, that money has d- does not at all signal It's not that. an indicator right. of like, yeah. anything interesting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Imaginative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Progressive, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In yeah. either direction. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, so I, I like one of you, we're, we're pushing up on the time, so Stephen or Seth, one of you want to have the last word today? Seth, I mean, Seth, go right ahead, Seth. <laughs> I am going to take two things from this conversation. Well, I'm taking more than that, but the two things that are most prominent in my mind right now are Travis's argument for referring to people via their continent of origin. I think that idea actually has legs. I like it. I want to Mm -hmm. ruminate on it. Uh, And I want to talk about it with other people, actually. I I I want to... I want to take it. I kind of want to take it and put it in my my weekend suitcase and take it with me. You know, okay. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to like slip it into uh, beta uh, test it. Uh, beta. Uh, well, I want to slip it into a, 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 the next hotel where I stay, uh, right next to the Gideon Bible, and I'm uh, and I'm also want, really going to take away that quote that you made, Stephen. Um, uh, rather that you articulated from um, Toni Morrison's book Paradise. Oh yeah, about race being the least interesting thing about those characters. Check that. Yeah. that is yeah. profound, and I not and just I about characters, but you, people. About people. right, yeah. right, yeah. the people. Yeah. You're right, and I feel like of the people in this conversation, right? See Travis Webb, um, Stephen G. Forward, and Seth Rodney. That. 
actually, our ethnic designation is the least interesting thing about us. Like, we yeah. actually have things to say that, I mean, they go way beyond what we look like or, or how we might be described on paper. So I'm going to take those things and treasure them. Thank you both for that. Excellent. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Stephen. It's good talking to you guys today, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye.